So tonight, we are going to be continuing this series that we've been in. This is the last um, last midweek with this series. We'll be starting another one after spring break. Um, but tonight, we're going to be talking and answering the question, does the Bible really say that God hears us when we pray? Um, and prayer is, is one of the most important things in our faith. Uh, apart from reading the Bible, prayer is a way that we have relationship with God. Uh, but prayer is oftentimes looked at as this mysterious thing because it's not like uh, you're sitting across the table from somebody and you're talking back and forth, right? You're talking to God and, and you can't see God. And so it becomes this mysterious thing, which oftentimes can make us feel kind of frustrated uh, because we end up looking at it kind of in the wrong way. Um, and so tonight I want, I want to talk about the ways that we kind of look at this incorrectly. And I want to dive into scripture, God's word, and, and answer the question, does God really hear us? Because sometimes it might feel like he doesn't. So the first way uh, that we oftentimes view prayer incorrectly uh, is what I like to call a vending machine prayer. Uh, what a vending machine prayer is, is, is saying, okay, I prayed, but I didn't get the answer I want, so I give up. Uh, prayer doesn't really work. So it's essentially like you're wanting to push a button on a vending machine, and out comes exactly what you're hoping for, except prayer doesn't really work like that. Uh, I was on a, the junior high missions trip this past summer, and I was talking with this little eighth grade, uh, eight-year-old girl, sorry, and uh, I said to her, do you believe in God? And she said, no, I don't believe in God. And I said, well, how come? Why don't you believe in God? And she said, well, I was in my room once and my fan was broken. And I prayed that God would fix my fan, my broken fan, and he didn't fix it. So I don't believe in God. And we snicker at that and we laugh because it's kind of funny. Like, okay, if there's not batteries in the fan, if there's an electrical problem in the fan, not that God can't fix it, but it's, I mean... It's probably maybe not going to happen, okay? It needs to be brought somewhere to actually be fixed. But we approach prayer this way sometimes. We think, well, if God doesn't do exactly what I want right now, it does not work. The second way that we view prayer incorrectly is a shopping list prayer. So you come to God with your list of things. You've made your list. You come to God and you say, okay, God, here's my list of things that I want you to do for me. So do them. And it's not about who God is. You're not thinking about his character. You're not thinking about your relationship with him. It's simply a, I'm going on an errand and I want these things checked off my list. And we approach prayer like a shopping list. And finally, the third way that I think we can often look at prayer wrong uh, is one and done prayers. Uh, This can look like, okay, I prayed once. Isn't that enough? I prayed one time. Or, okay, I've prayed before, but God already knows what I'm thinking, so why even pray? I mean, it literally says in Scripture, he knows what I'm thinking before I even say it, so what's the point of prayer? And that is an incorrect way to view prayer because it's about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, because we approach prayer wrong, uh, we often feel like God doesn't hear us because we're not approaching prayer the way that it was actually designed. So, in 1 John 5, uh, if you've turned there, it's also going to be up on the screen. Uh, Let's let's see what this uh, passage says. So it says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So it literally says, point number one of does God hear us? Well, the Bible says he hears us. It literally says we have confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So what's his will? How do we know his will? Because if we're praying, he's not talking back right away. So how do we know what his will is? Well, we have scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it said, it is God's will that you be sanctified, that you honor your body. We have the Ten Commandments. Do not lie. Do not murder. Do not covet. Honor your father and your mother. That's part of God's will. So oftentimes we ask for God's will or we're praying for things, but is it aligned with what scripture says? And so that's why we need to read this, because it tells us God's will. So we pray for his will in accordance with scripture, and then we're supposed to wait patiently. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So in May of 2000, uh, uh, on May 1st of 2016, I wrote a prayer in my journal. Uh, if you heard me talk last time, I, I think I shared, like I oftentimes pray in journal form so that I can actually go back and see if God answered it. Has he answered it yet? Has he not answered it? How am I growing? So I prayed in that journal because God was stirring my heart for wanting to do more in girls ministry. I was coaching basketball at the time and I wanted to do more. I love coaching basketball. I love the sport but I wanted to do more uh, with the character aspect and character building and do life with girls. That was my heart. And so I prayed, Lord, please open a door for me to do something with girls ministry. And there was a day that I literally had this like dream, like a daydream. And I dreamed about having an office on this campus somewhere and thought that that would be so cool to have an office where people could Students could come and talk to me if they needed anything. So I prayed that on May 1st of 2016. And then some things happened in my life and I kind of took a step back from some things and I realized I had some stuff that I had to work on. I actually needed to go back to counseling and, and work on some things that my heart needed repair. And so a year passed. And to make a really long story short, on May 1st of 2017, I started working here at Bay Area Church as girls minister. So my prayer didn't get answered immediately. Didn't press a button on a vending machine and out came the response. A year later, after God worked on my heart in a lot of different ways, God answered my prayer. And he did it in a way that made me feel like you literally heard me because I prayed on May 1st of 2016 and on May 1st of 2017, you answered. And that's how God works. And, and so praying for his will, praying for him to do things in our life looks like praying patiently. The second uh, way, the second way we're going to answer this, uh, God hear us uh, in Luke 11. If you turn with me to Luke 11. Uh, 1 through 13, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, Father, when you pray, say, 
Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children's are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so the second way we see this question answered is that Jesus, the son of God, prayed because it was important. And he believed that his father would hear him. Jesus prayed and he also gave instruction to his disciples to pray. Throughout Luke, throughout the Gospels, we see plenty of examples of Jesus praying. And so his disciples took notice. They recognized that it was something important and they wanted to know how to do it. And so not only do we have this composed prayer at the beginning, but we also have this little parable, which is kind of funny in some parts. And he says at one point, what friend wouldn't come knocking if you just keep knocking on the door? You know, yeah, he may have said no at first, but if he's laying in bed and you're literally knocking on the door and you don't stop for an hour, I'm pretty sure in annoyance, he's probably going to come to the door and say, okay, fine, take the bread. And so we are called to pray with persistence, not a one and done prayer. We're called to pray with persistence because God is good. And it says at the end of, of this parable, what father who is evil, because we're all sinners, he knows how to give good gifts to us. than that. Our father, our heavenly father is good. God is good. And his timing is perfect. God knows what to give his kids. He knows when, when, when he needs to give his kids what you're asking. Thirdly, in Numbers 11, uh, the third way that we see this answered, we see evidence from past prophets like Moses. So Moses is probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, there's a lot written on him, uh, but God just... Their relationship, Moses and God, is the coolest. And this is probably one of my favorite moments between God and Moses and them talking to each other. Uh, and so in Numbers 11, 11 through 15, uh, let me give you a little bit of context first. So the Israelites, we know, were delivered from Egypt. Moses was leading them. They were delivered from Egypt. And for a while, they just were eating manna, which is like this bread. It sounds like it tasted pretty good, but they were just eating bread day after day after day. And they're at the point where they're like, oh my goodness, can we please have some protein? Give us some meat because we're tired of bread and we would like something more. And so they're doubting again. They're doubting that God is actually going to take them to the promised land. And so that's where we come in Numbers 11. uh, And Moses says this to God. Moses said to the Lord, 
Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers. Where am I to get the meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all of these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. So when I read this for the first time, I literally just started laughing. Because Moses is saying to God, did I give birth to all of these Israelites? No, I didn't. So why do I have to carry the burden of their complaints? I'm annoyed. That's literally Moses is crying out to God. His prayer is not fancy. It is raw. It's real. And it's really funny to me. And so then we see in verse 31 and 32, Moses prays this really real, honest prayer. And it says in verse 31, then a wind from the Lord sprang up and it brought quail from the sea, other side, or all beside the camp. About a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. And the people rose all that day and all that night and all the next day and gathered the quail. So Moses prays this ridiculous prayer and talking to God. And we skipped a little bit, but God answers and gives so much quail that you could walk a day that way and a whole day that way. And there would be quail all over the ground. That is crazy. Okay. And Moses's prayer wasn't anything fancy. He didn't say fancy words. He literally just said, hey, God, did I give birth to these people? No, I didn't. So will you help me out here? And God does. He answers the prayer. And so we see evidence from people in the Bible like Moses that God answers prayer. And in Exodus 33, 11, uh, it says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And I love that. And when I read about Moses and his story and how God used Moses, I want a faith like that. I want a prayer life like Moses had that I know God face to face, that I can speak to him like a friend. Yes, he is holy. Yes, I have no right to even really be praying to him, but he wants me to. So there was this one time uh, I was really trying hard to work on praying continuously through the day. Instead of just praying at the beginning of the day, I was trying to pray throughout the day. And I was on my way to the gym and I didn't have a bobby pin. With me. And for you boys that are in the room, you're going to be like, who cares? You didn't have a bobby pin. But for a girl, it's nice to have a bobby pin because you can pin up your hair that might be in your face. Okay. So I didn't have a bobby pin. And so on my way to the gym, because I didn't want to turn around and go to my house, I said, Lord, please let me find a bobby pin at the gym. Will you just please, please just let me find a bobby pin? Because otherwise this whole workout is going to be so, I'm just going to be thinking about the hair that I wish was pinned up. So I prayed for a bobby pin. It's kind of silly but I did. Okay. So I get to the gym and I walk up the stairs and I sign in and I go into the locker room and I go to a random locker and I open it. And on the bottom of the locker 
was a bobby pin. And in that moment, I stood there and I just pictured God, like as I was praying in the car on the way there, like reaching his hand down from heaven and placing the bobby pin in the locker and like laughing a little bit. Like, oh, she's going to find this time for Moses. And I just imagine that that's what it was like, like all the time for Moses. Like he heard from God. He knew him like a friend. He had these moments where he asked for quail and there's quail everywhere. And in that moment, you know, I think back to that moment sometimes when I'm doubting God, like, are you hearing me? And I just think like, do you remember the bobby pin? That stupid piece of metal that I gave to you for a stupid workout. Do you remember the bobby pin? Of course, I'm going to answer your prayer. Something greater than a bobby pin. Of course, if I care about a bobby pin, I'm going to deliver more. I give good gifts to my kids. So the fourth way that we hear uh, that God answers our prayers, we find in Hebrews 4. 14 through 16. And it says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we see, does God hear us when we pray? Well, the gospel proves that he does. Because the son of God, Jesus, came to this earth, lived the perfect life up until age 33, and was killed for us because sin separated us from God. And we see in the Old Testament, time and time again, there had to be these priests that would make sacrifices for the people because they were sinners. But the thing is about these priests, these high priests that were ordained to do that, is they had to give sacrifices themselves. So they had to give sacrifices for themselves, and then they had to give sacrifices for the people, and then eventually they would die. So it wasn't this forever sacrifice. And so the Old Testament is like this context to the reason why Jesus came because we were broken and because we needed a forever sacrifice that would make uh, this barrier between us and God not there anymore. And Jesus came and he experienced everything. He was tempted. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was mocked. He lost friends. He wept when Lazarus died. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was killed and then rose again. And yet he never sinned. And some people might, might respond to that and be like, well, he's Jesus. He's perfect. Of course, he's not going to give in to temptation. But if anything, the fact that he didn't sin shows that he is stronger than you could ever imagine. Because you know what that's like. You know what it's like to be tempted and to give in to that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. And if you put Jesus in that place where you know that you struggle, Jesus never would. And that's incredible. And so it says in Hebrews that he sympathizes with us. 
We pray and he gets it. This emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, all of it. He gets all of it. And so it says that we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that he's going to receive us in mercy and help us in time of need. And so because we have a savior who knows and understands, that should make us desperate to pray. Because we know that he gets it all. More than any person on this earth could ever understand you. Jesus, God understands you. And he's desperate to hear your voice of prayer. He wants to hear you pray. And so the gospel proves that he hears us because our greatest need has already been answered in Jesus's death on the cross. We're broken and Jesus is the restorer of that brokenness. And so then if God does hear us and we see that he does, then what does this mean for us? Well, it simply means that we should be praying, right? We should pray and we should pray with confidence. And so how do we pray correctly? So we, we get an example of this in Matthew 6. It says in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And when you pray, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some of us have heard this a lot. And so I want to break it down for you a little bit. The first line, our father, hallowed be your name. How do we pray correctly? We pray humble. We know our place before God. We know that God is incredible. We honor and glorify God's name in prayer. And we begin with that because it humbles us before our God, knowing that he's the creator of it all. And we're coming to him because he knows what we need. Your kingdom come. We pray knowing that it's about building God's kingdom and not our kingdom. So coming to God with a shopping list of things That's kind of like building our kingdom. We have this list of things that we want, but it's about building God's kingdom. So when we pray God's will and we, when we pray for him to move in our lives, we need to pray looking at him and saying, you know, what's best. And I want to live for you and I want to do your will. And I want to be about your kingdom. Your will be done. We pray open-handed and believing that God's timing is best. Because if we look at it like a big picture, if we relate it to like a puzzle, if we look at the entire life, your entire life, the world as a puzzle, you are one piece of that puzzle. Just one. You can't even see everything that God's doing. And so you pray for something, but you got to know that God's going to answer in his time because he sees the big picture. Give us this day our daily bread knowing that God is the provider and we trust him to provide. Forgive us our debts. We come to God for for confessing our sins because every single day I know that I'm prone to wander. 
I know the things that I struggle with. I know the things that are like a thorn on my side that I know I have to come before God and say, you have to help me because today I just can't. I just can't do it. You know, we live in a culture. I can't adult today. I can't even. And sometimes I feel like that. And so we come before God and we say, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it today, but I'm a relying eyes that we are sinners in need of a savior. And so those are the ways that we pray before God. We pray and we pray correctly because God does hear us. 